the fun and games are over, we are in the knockout rounds of the Gold Cup, and what a crazy tournament it has been. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep, who Ivis, I know you're gearing up for a full weekend of Gold Cup action. Oh, yes, sir. It's uh, We've had a little bit of a break, a couple of days off, but we'll be right back at it, right heading on to the, uh, I-95 South, where we'll be heading to Baltimore. For the quarterfinals, and uh, it's going to be a crazy weekend. You got the uh, two games at MNT Bank Stadium in Baltimore on Saturday, mm-hmm. and then you have the other two quarterfinals at MetLife Stadium at, in New Jersey. So, full weekend of action, and that's just in the Gold Cup. You have MLS action as well, mm-hmm. full slate of games there. So, if you're a soccer fan, uh, you, you're not going to have to leave the couch, you'll just be plenty to watch. Well, the Gold Cup, think about it. You have two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. I mean, that's a nice weekend schedule. Yes, sir. We'll be heading up and down the highway, checking out both matches, uh, both sets of matches. Uh, I know U.S. fans are kind of, you know, taking it for granted a little bit since it's Cuba in the quarterfinals. And, yes, the U.S. should win this game. But crazy things happen. I don't think anything's crazy happening there. But then you have the second game. You have Haiti-Jamaica. That one, I tell you what, folks. If you're going to the games in Baltimore, don't just leave after the U.S. game. You're going to want to stick around because Haiti-Jamaica is going to be a barn burner, too. So a full full weekend of action. Uh, you obviously have friendlies next week, international friendlies, ICC. Paris Saint-Germain is in town. So it's it's getting about that time to go stalk Zlatan Ibrahimovic if you're in, <laughs> if you're in the New Jersey area. you got to be careful, man. You never know. You could karate chop your face or something like that. Uh, I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but I'm just saying, you know. They're in. They're going to be in town for a couple of weeks. They're playing. Obviously, playing a bunch of games. Chelsea's coming to town pretty soon. Barcelona's. Uh, if they're not in the states already, they're heading to the states. So it's going. It's going to be. I'm tell you what. This is a crazy summer of action, and this weekend is uh, is really uh, going to be a lot of fun. Man, I'm jealous, man. We don't. We don't get any teams in Phoenix this year for that. Sad times. Um. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, sorry. <laughs> you got to have to move because. Uh, if you want to, if you want to get the full slate, I'm of working actions. on that. I thought I was going to move into uh, into your uh, into your uh, your basement at your house. <laughs> I'll tell you what. After you after after your wife leaves you, you can. You can... <laughs> well, first of all, we're not married yet. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm just giving you the plan ahead of time. <laughs> I appreciate that. I was actually when you come to the way, I don't want you talking to her. I will keep you guys separate. <laughs> I don't need you saying anything. That can make nah. me look bad. Come on, man. Uh, I, I, I'm a friend to the end. I, I, <laughs> I'll, I'll sell my peoples out. But uh, no, man, it's uh, it's good. It's going to be good. Uh, you know, there's there's so many games. And I know yeah. a lot of people don't like the friendlies, especially the friendlies that involve MLS teams. I do kind of under, I do understand that. I mean, sometimes you look at these matches and, and they're, they're jammed into pretty loaded schedules uh, for these teams. You know, they have MLS games. They have Open Cup games. Uh, soon they're going to have Champions League games. So some of these friendlies, you look at them, you're like, why do they have to play these friendlies? Having said that, I definitely love the friendlies uh, when you have the two international teams come and play each other. Um, Chelsea-Barcelona, they're going to play at FedEx Field. You're going to have uh, PSG against Fiorentina, which is going to be an intriguing matchup, I think, yeah. up here. So, I mean, there's, there's well, you so can much have, to you, watch. You have games on Friday. You have Manchester United taking Club America. Then on Saturday, PSG-Benefica. I mean, it's, it's almost like every day for it. Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be fun. a lot of fun. Yes. All right, Ivis. Well, we will talk about that later in the show. Time to talk U.S. men's national team. As we mentioned it, they're in the quarterfinals. You look at the opponent out of the possibilities of teams they could have faced. Cuba looks like the most the team that, you know, this is a guaranteed win. But granted, there's no guarantees in soccer. This U.S. team still needs to improve because, as you said, Haiti, Jamaica, those are going to be tough teams. We saw Haiti against the U.S. Tons of chances for them. They could just finish, which would have been a different game. Um, but for the U.S. Ivis, I mean, they this is a game against Cuba where they're going to have to start working out the Kings goal to hopefully to progress further and win this Gold Cup. Right. I mean, it, it's obviously the result matters. <laughs> you know, you have to win to advance. But uh, if you're looking at this match, everyone says, "Oh, you don't want to overlook Cuba. You don't want to overlook Cuba." But the fact of the matter is, the U.S. There's just there should be no way they lose to this uh, lose to this Cuba team. I mean, this Cuba team was outscored what uh, eight to zero before they uh, upset Guatemala in the last match. They have uh, one I, goal and eight goals against. Right. So I mean, they, they you know they're gonna try to obviously pack it in and, and and look to frustrate the U.S. and and it could be a it could be a tough uh, match for the U.S. from that standpoint, but. You know, if you're the Americans, you, you got to go into this match feeling like you can blow it open. And mm-hmm. I know the attack hasn't exactly 
uh, been lighting it up. But I think with some of the adjustments that Klinsman's made, some of the roster changes, um, and some of the just play like a player like Alejandro Bedoya getting his fitness back, I mm-hmm. think the attack the attack should be good enough uh, to put a decent number of goals on the board in this match. Well, I think the one thing that's going to be interesting is is you're just, you know you like this is a game where Clint Dempsey will start from the beginning. Um, you know, at least Bedoya's artists will be out there, but the but the big question mark, or you know, what we're all going to be paying attention to, is what Jurgen Klinsmann is going to do with the back line. I mean, you can for sure lock down uh, Fabian Johnson as the for sure starter. He will play the other three positions. Ivis, I mean, we could see possibly Omar Gonzalez, Demarcus Beasley. He was brought in. I mean, there's talks of Tim Ream, and there's so many different things that Jurgen could do with those three spots. I think you're pretty set with the other guys you mentioned. I think we're going to see Beasley start at left back. We're going to see Tim Ream at left center back. I think we'll see Omar Gonzalez. Uh, I just think the Ream-Gonzalez uh, pairing uh, makes a bit more sense, especially when you think about um, you know defending set pieces. Uh, Ream, uh, that's not really a strength. Omar Gonzalez is obviously a force in the air. And then I think you're going to see Fabian Johnson at right back. Fabian e- Johnson's been excellent on the left back. But Beasley slides into that spot, and I think the defense is going to be better. And obviously Cuba's going to have a limited number of chances, but I think that particular back four should play pretty well. And with Beasley and Johnson attacking down the flanks, I think I think that should help open things up for the offense. Um, looking up top, as you, as just you know, the other positions pretty much locked in, I mean, Aaron Johansson for sure will get the start against Clint Dempsey. And then what you say, Alan Gordon's a lock for what, the 75th minute? <laughs> I don't know when he's coming in, but... Come on, he's a guaranteed lock for as, a, as a late sub. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I, well, <laughs> I mean, either way, actually, I guess you're going to expect him to get some minutes. I mean, if they blow it open, you're going to want to be able to pull some guys out of that that lineup. And yeah, no, guys, I think we'll see Gordon in there. I think, uh, but I think he, where he's going to play that role is, uh, you know, as a kind of a battering ram later in games. If you're you're talking about a zero zero or one zero, and you and you need a ga- you need a goal late, he's going to be your guy. Um, mixed is screwed. Did not play in the last game for the U.S. in the group stage. Is is there a spot for him on this team right now, or, or, or what? I mean, what's what's going on with him? I mean, I just don't think. I think right now Beckerman and Bradley—that's your tandem in the middle. I think. I think uh, the way they play together, it, it's a good one. You could argue that you could definitely make the point or, or make the argument that do you need Beckerman against a Cuba team that isn't likely to attack you too much? I mean, I, I, they're pretty much gonna. Pack numbers back. Send maybe three off into the three or four into the attack. Four tops. Um, do you need that stay-at-home number six, or can you afford to have a mixed discrude who can join the attack and and, uh, and help provide those numbers, uh, especially against a team that is going to be bunkered in? You're going to be able, you're going to need to be able to kind of combine your passes and and kind of pick the lock uh, on that Cuba defense. And so you know, could we see discrude? I think we'll see him a bit, but. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see him start in this match, um, yeah. to be honest it with you. I mean, it seems like his role's diminished. You know, Beckerman just well, seems more natural fit, but well, Doy's back and healthy, so this well, he's just, he was holding. He was holding a spot. I yeah. mean, it was never really his to begin with. I mean, it's not, I mean, how many minutes did he play at the World Cup? None. So, I mean, it's it's just, it is what it is. These guys are back. Uh, Kyle Beckerman's back in the fold, and, and it's not quite his time yet. And to be fair, it's not like this group's form was was off the charts in MLS before the Gold Cup started. I mean, he he had he's had his issues as well, trying to kind of find his uh, find his top form. So, I mean, I think he's someone. If if Klinsman decides, you know what, Beckerman's older, I don't want to I don't want to waste him in the Cuba match. Could he then go with uh, go with this group? Possibly. I wouldn't rule it out completely. But if you're talking about who's going to be in your lineup when the matches get tougher. When we get to the semis in the final, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see Beckerman. Although, let's not forget now, mixed this group, Gold Cup final, 2013. He came off the bench, replaced Stuart Holden, and had what was at the time, for my money, a man of the match performance. So, he has done it on the big stage at the Gold Cup. Let's not forget that. Well, as the U.S. gears up to face its surprise opponent in the quarterfinals, the rest of the Gold Cup was definitely surprised with a lot of varied results with teams that did not live up ex- to expectations. Teams that exceeded expectations. Ivis, this is one of the craziest Gold Cups that we've seen in a while. Oh, no doubt. It's been it's been a Gold Cup full of surprises. Uh, it, it, things have really been flipped. Uh, the the script has been flipped. The teams that came in expected to to to, to dominate struggled, and the teams expected to kind of be run over uh, shock people. I mean, look at the Caribbean, mm-hmm. the tournament that they've had. All four of their teams exceeded expectations. All four of their teams reached the knockout rounds. And then you look at Central America, 
you could argue every one of their teams disappointed to a degree. Uh, Costa Rica didn't win a match. They fin- they tied El Salvador, Guatemala, both out already. Uh, and then Panama, you know, they were okay. They showed some stuff, but, you <laughs> they know. Didn't they didn't win any they, matches, though. Right. They, they also tied all three matches, much like Costa Rica. So, uh, overall, a disappointing tournament for them. And if you're a U.S. fan, you have to love the way the bracket's shape has fallen out now. Because on the U.S. side of the bracket, you have the U.S. against Cuba, which is obviously the, the, the weakest team in the quarters. And then you have Haiti and Jamaica. And uh, these two teams, I'll give them credit, they both have looked good in this tournament. They both exceeded expectations. However, the U.S., you have to think they're favored against either of those teams in the semi. And then on the other side of the bracket, Mexico side of the bracket, it is stacked. I mean, they, they have Costa Rica in the quarters. And I know Costa Rica didn't win a match in the knockout rounds, but they're still a dangerous team. They still have a lot of the same elements of the mm-hmm. same, of that team that uh, you know got to the quarterfinals of, of the World Cup. So that's going to be a tough test for Mexico. And then you have uh, on the other side you have Panama, who while they didn't win a match in the group stage, they we we know what they're about. We know they're dangerous. They have tons of experience in this tournament, so they're going to be a handful. And they they're facing Trinidad and Tobago, who for my money and I think most people's money. The surprise of the tournament, arguably the most impressive team in this tournament, uh, and and they, they go for a team that nobody expected much out of I mean, to a team now that I don't think anybody wants to face. Really, I, I don't. I don't want to mask over the results, but you defeat Guatemala, who was we saw them. They have no attack. I mean, they're a team that could pack it in, maybe they get a couple of chances on the breaks. But I know, but but then they go out and defeat Cuba. I mean, their good result was against Mexico. I mean, look, Mexico was in a. St- look, I'm not trying to discredit their victories. M- Did you watch the, the hype. Mexico game? I, yes. Did you watch I, the Mexico yes, game? Yes. I don't. I'm, I'm not, I'm not buying into the hype. Yet. Me, I'm not saying they're going to the World Cup, but in this tournament, for them to do what they did, basically in what was like a home game for Mexico, I mean, that crowd, that was a pro, 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 pro Mexico crowd in Charlotte. Uh, it was unbelievable the way that game ended. Back and forth. I'm, I, they're just a dangerous team. They're a team that they have attacking weapons. Kenwin Jones turning back the clock. He's looked outstanding. I, I'll tell you what. I wouldn't want to have to face them in the, at this point in the competition. And they're, they're going to be a handful. Them against Panama, great match. I'm not saying they're going to necessarily beat Panama, but I think that is going to be a fun match. Look, I guess all I'm saying is that I think against Panama, they'll face a pretty solid team. We saw Panama against the U.S. and how good Panama looked. Look, if, if Trinidad goes out and loses to Panama, then, I mean, their group stage, was, it was a nice story. But to me, I think Panama will take care of business against them. Um, another team, Ivis, that, that we talked about teams not living up to expectations. Mexico right now, they're struggling. And it, they don't look like they're a team that can really get to this Gold Cup final. And that... I mean, would just be obviously one a major letdown for that country. But I mean, I was, they have some problems, and Mexico needs to figure out some solutions, especially on defense, very soon. It's tough, man. And we said it before the tournament uh, that they were going to have issues on the, the defensive side of things because you lose your best defender before the tournament starts, Hector Moreno, out with an injury, and they already were going to face questions about their depth because of the players they had to commit to the Copa America. So already you're digging down in the bottom of the barrel uh, for defensive options. And I think that's kind of exposed them a bit. Uh, They look vulnerable. Now, having said that, man, their attack is still dangerous. Their attack is still capable of burning anybody. And and for that reason, I just don't think anyone should be writing them off. Or or anyone should be expecting them to stumble. Uh, I think Costa Rica is obviously going to be a tough matchup. But I think they can score goals on Costa Rica. I think I think their attack looks dangerous. Now, the Gio de Santos injury, let's see what happens with that. But still, even with, with Carlos Vela, Andres Guardado, uh, they, they still have quite a few weapons that, that can change a game. And I think for me, I still have them in the final, but their road, there's no doubt, there's no question their road to the final is much tougher than the U.S.'s road. Definitely agree on that. Ivis, if you want to rep Mexico, if that's your team, or if you want to rep the U.S., and cheer for them in the Gold Cup. Now is a great time to get an awesome jersey. Our friends at SoccerLoco.com are offering everyone 10% off if you enter an SBI 10 at the cart window. And Ivis, not just Mexico and the U.S. I mean, look, the European season's coming up, and that means all the clubs are coming out with brand-new kits. That's right. The New Jerseys are coming out. I think I think Chelsea's New Jersey just uh, was just dropped recently. Uh, they're going to be in town next week. I think that might be they might be doing some kind of formal unveiling in New York City. 
Um, but yeah, it, it, it's you know if you want to be up on your newest jersey, your team's newest jersey, and the way they change uh, so regularly, it's kind before you know it, you can have you know a jersey that was that seemed brand new is is suddenly behind the time. So yeah, you're gonna want you're, you're gonna want to go to Soccer Loco, check out the new jerseys, and see how much they've changed because you might need a new one. And remember that SoccerLoco.com, enter an SBI 10 at the cart window, and you get 10% off your entire order. Ivis, on Wednesday, U.S. Soccer CEO Dan Flynn was called into Washington and testified in front of a bunch of senators that he de- uh, that he denied knowing anything about the corruption in FIFA or, or CONCACAF. I mean, you know, once again, Ivis, I mean, we see just how serious the U.S. government is taking everything that, that's gone on over the last two months um, with FIFA. Right. I mean, you know, the, the the Senate hearings, I mean, you always wonder about these kind of events because it, a lot of times it does feel a little like grandstanding mm-hmm. uh, from certain politicians who are just trying to score some brownie points. However, this is a topic that that does warrant some digging, does warrant some questions being asked. And uh, I did think it was interesting that that it was Dan Flynn and not Sunil Gulati who answered the questions at this at this uh you know at this hearing and of course Andrew Jennings the the, the famous uh, uh investigative journalist the guy who's really been digging uh for dirt and uncovering dirt on FIFA for for more than a decade he he brought up the valid points of you know why wasn't Sunil Gulati there why didn't Sunil Gulati speak and 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 I think the the the, per, the public perception out there is that he should have been the one to speak not Dan Flynn and that Galati's the one who knows how FIFA's run, who's worked more closely with CONCACAF than Dan Flynn has. So I think the fact that Flynn was the one who was there, uh, you know, definitely raised some some alarm bells. And that Flynn, you have to say, if you watch that hearing, I mean, he did not look comfortable. Well, it looks intimidating. No, but come on. The guy's the CEO of a huge entity. I mean, you, you know, you, you got to be able to... to you know, step up and defend and, and discuss and, and, and be straight up about everything. And, you know, he, he, he started out really shaky. I mean, he, he had to, like, refer to his lawyer on what to say. But, you know, here's what it boils down to. And uh, one of the comments that one of the senators made that was interesting is, like, either you knew or you didn't know and which one is worse, right? That's, like, what it boils down to. And I, I think it's it's – I don't know. I feel like it's a little – presumptuous to assume that people that you know u.s soccer people would know everything going on in Concacaf and everything going on in fifa um because a lot of that stuff was going on behind the scenes a lot mm-hmm. of stuff was these crooked uh politicians or these crooked uh fifa officials uh you know whatever what they're doing on the business side of things under under wraps and 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 you know behind closed doors not everybody knew what was going on. And, and yes, you could definitely argue that there's been investigations. There's Well, there have been, obviously, Andrew Jennings is a guy who's who's uncovered a lot of stuff. And for a long, a long, long time, uh, people questioned just the, the validity of the stuff that he would dig up. So you never knew how real it was, how realistic, how, how legitimate it was. So, you know, on one hand, you could definitely argue, how could these people not know if there was stuff floating around for more than a decade? Uh-huh. Having said that, as Dan Flynn pointed out, he never had anything hard. He had never had any hard evidence. Um, although he did kind of, it did. It was a little interesting that he admitted to at times feeling uncomfortable with how things were run, and then kind of removing himself from the situation. So it's like it's like he knew something was not right, and rather than be like, "Hey, what is going on here?" He just kind of stepped out, just awkward like you know it's like awkward moment let me step away you guys do your dirt i don't want to know about the dirt um hear no evil see no evil and you know you can definitely argue is that the way you want to run an organization like that is that the way you want to represent the u.s in an organization like that and and that that's a legitimate question Mm -hmm. so uh but for me personally and maybe i'm naive but i do i think these guys knew for a fact what was going down i don't think that but at the same time uh, would it have been that much harder to dig? I mean, we don't know. We don't know like what exactly. these guys it's a were doing. Organization. They were you know, embezzling. You can't just walk up and say, "Hey, what do you what, what do you guys do with that money?" Yeah, you know. It's, yeah. Well, hey, this is a... what we're doing. It's illegal. Well, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a lot of obviously backdoor dealings. Uh, of course. You know, with, with all the all these organizations. I mean, traffic sports and the like, and all the kickbacks and all that kind of stuff. That I mean, as 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 someone pointed out in the hearing, 
it took the federal government four years to investigate and dig it up. Four years. If it took them four years to dig this stuff up, uh, why do people assume that, you know, day-to-day soccer officials were supposed to just find this stuff on their own? That's where that's where it's a little it's a little naive, I think, in my opinion. In my opinion. I think it's a little presumptuous to assume that these guys should have been able to find this stuff. Can you imagine working on that for four years? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll tell you what. Once they found the dirt, that that, that made it all worthwhile because yeah. they, definitely, they definitely got these guys dead to rights. Well, look, we'll continue to see things like this. We'll see the U.S. government's involvement for quite some time. Um, in the world of Major League Soccer, I think it's finally official. We can give LA Galaxy the title. We've been talking about this for a week. Giovanni Dos Santos is officially a member of the Galaxy, and I mean, Ivis, their roster is now stacked. It's insane. It really is. Um, and you know what? <laughs> At this point, you don't. You never want to hand a title over, especially with the playoff format that it is. All it can take is one bad game here and there, and you can get knocked out. But I mean, they are. <laughs> you they argue are against head, this. <laughs> they are head and shoulders the favorites to win the whole thing. And as I wrote in, in a piece for Goal.com, this move is really a step towards so much more than MLS Cup for them because you want to talk about a team that's 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 primed for a run at the CONCACAF Champions League, a team that's primed to hold on to their stranglehold in L.A. with the new L.A. team coming in a few years. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's so many... It, this is a huge signing for them. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I, and I know some people look at it and cynics will be like, oh, well, Gio, Gio hasn't exactly torn it up in Europe. This kid can play, man. This guy, he's he's when he going to Tottenham was not the best thing for his for his career. Obviously, when he went to Villarreal, he, he did better. He this kid can ball and he's a marketing he's a marketing gold mine because obviously Mexican fans love him. Mexican-American fans love him. And he's going to help take over that market in a way that a whole team in Chivas USA couldn't do. So I think for me, I think this is you could like there are very there are a few players who who would have been a better signing for the Galaxy than Giovanni Dos Santos. Well, I think the big question is though, and, and look, this is a good problem that Bruce Arena has is how does he piece all of these guys together? I mean, it's going to be very difficult for him. I mean, you're going to have some guys like. Um, Jose Villarreal are going to be on the bench. I mean, it may not get another start for the rest of the season. But I mean, the big question is is I mean, what, what does Bruce Arena do with Giovanni Dos Santos? Does he play him up top? Does he play him wide? I mean, he has a few options on his hands. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy when you think about all the different uh, variations that he can go with, right? I mean, you have Robbie Keane, Gio, Gerard, Zardes, Juninho, uh, Leggett, uh, Baja Husidic, who does a lot of the dirty work and who I wonder – is he necessarily a guy who's going to come out of that lineup? Because you need somebody to do the heavy lifting in the midfield. So he's another one. Obviously, they had to part, way, part ways with Stefan Nishizaki. Um, but look at all those players. Villarreal. Um, they're so stacked. And that's gonna, and they're going to need that. Because if you think about it, again, competing on multiple fronts. You have the Champions League coming up. Mm-hmm. They, just got, they just got eliminated from the Open Cup. And obviously, that's that's, you know. Uh, they, they, they have they have Concacaf Champions League coming up in like two weeks. That, that's, right. that's a little bit more yeah. important, right? So I think yes, but it, it's this team is something else. And, and I know a lot of people are up in arms about oh this targeted targeted allocation and and basically it was a rule to get Gio on the Galaxy. Uh, and I just think that's a really bad way to look at it because it, that rule was not about Gio De Santos. That rule was about paving the way for teams to be able to sign players like Gio De Santos. There is nothing standing in the way of a Seattle or an Orlando or a Toronto from adding that, you know, shuffling things around and getting their play, getting another star or even an NYCFC. So, you know what? If your team is currently sitting on one DP or they have two or three smaller money DPs and not really the prime time type DPs, you know what? It's on your ownership to to maximize these rules. And you know what? If if the Galaxy are, are doing it, I mean, I, I, hats off to them because they're pushing the envelope. And I think I think we said it the last show, um, the days of doing it on the cheap and MLS, they're over. They're just over. So uh, it's definitely sending a message to everyone in the league that everyone needs to step it up. 
We also saw some other player movement in the league, this in the form of a few trades that happened this past week. We also, like DC United, they exchange Luis Silva and Alvaro Soberio for DC. I mean, they get a proven forward up top, Ivis. I think this is a great move for them. We also like, I mean, Luis Silva's had his moments. He's looked good. More importantly, they'll probably save some money on this deal. But I, I don't know, man. I mean, I think DC makes out better in this trade. I think that's a little short-sighted, to be honest with you, because... Yes, Sabrio has scored goals through his career in MLS. He has uh, put up some numbers. But this year, man, he's taken a step back. And and there are some questions about what he brings to the locker room. I mean, he, he has been known to be a bit of a, 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 tr- a trouble spot in the locker room, someone who who can be a handful. So that's, you know, you, you want to ask yourself, how is that, that going to work chemistry-wise? Obviously, DC is a veteran team, so they should you'd like to think they'll be able to handle that. Uh, but he is not the same Saborio that we saw five years ago, four or five years ago. That you know, gar- you know, guaranteed double-digit score. I don't know if he's that player anymore. Um, for Real Salt Lake, they, I just feel like they wanted to get rid of him. And you know what they got back was, you know, they got a guy who they they've been interested in, in the past, but a guy who might not even be around there after this year. And that's something that I pointed out when I when I broke this story this morning. Um, both these guys are out of contract at the end of this year, so neither one of them they they could both be out of MLS. Uh, by this time next year. And for me, you know, RSL, if they could find a way to keep Silva, I think he's someone who maybe they could look at to help replace Javier Morales when Morales moves on. I know people have long thought that Luis Gill was that guy, but Luis Gill might not even stick around. So there's a lot of moving parts going on. And there's a lot of moving parts at RSL right now. As far as DC goes, if they can figure out a way to get Sabrio um, to just buy into everything that Ben Olsen wants to do, to be a good locker room guy, to not cause any problems or make any waves, and to and just to fit right in and play with his old strike partner, Fabiana Spindola. Uh, yeah, DC that that's taking them a step closer to being uh, you know to being able to lock up the East. And right now, the East is is theirs to take because New England is struggling, Columbus is struggling, um, TFC is still not hit their stride. Uh, so it's there for them, and but the, again, Sabrio, I would not, I would say he's far from a sure thing. Yeah, I just think DC. I don't know. I, I I like this move more for DC than I like it for Real Salt Lake because we, we don't need to get a long conversation. There's risk. But there's listen, there's risk there. There is risk, but there's you never risk. know. A change he's of scenery a, could be good for him. You know what? I, I just People I are think how it, they are. People are how they are, and this guy, I can tell you what, this guy is not. I would not say he's a first class guy. I would not say he's a good locker room guy. From my understanding, from the people that I've talked to and the, and the things that I've heard, um, so from that standpoint, hey, if DC United can, if Ben Olsen can, can get him in line, then yeah, you know, if look, if he can get him in line, I would still take him. Even look, even him out of line, I would take him over Luis Silva. Right, they're, now. they're different kind of players, though. I, they're both struggling. They they both aren't having great seasons. But do we they, let 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 us not forget Luis Silva scored eleven goals last year. Okay, so the guy can play. He can't give you something. And RSL already has forwards. Sebastian Jaime has established himself. Omas Garcia is a good option. Jao Plata is, you know, he's still not even hitting his stride yet. So, you know what? The forwards for RSL are doing okay this year. Who's to say say they don't have other forwards in their sights? Who say they don't they don't have other guys? (laughs) And they also have some young players. They have some young players they want to give some time to. Some guys know well, so... That's you know? true. I just, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see how this trade works out. Um, yeah, I mean, come on. Are we, I don't know. I, Jordan Allen, you know. He's not a forward. Play up top. 4-3-3. The, the only young forward they have is Sebastian Salcedo. There you go. He's a star. He's starting to make him. That's what you say. <laughs> when did I say that? All the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sorry, yeah, yeah, there's a poster on your wall. What are you talking about? <laughs> this guy. Uh, all right, we'll look. We'll see how the trade pays off. I just think it's going to work out for DC better. Um, right, let's bet. We do the, that right what do you want to bet? I don't know. Whatever you want. Well, I'll think of something by the end of the show. Montreal Impact, uh, FC Dallas exchanged Kyle Becker for Bakari Samare. Um, I mean, look, for Samare, I was, how nice is that? You complain, I want to get traded, and boom, right away you're traded. How convenient. Well, I just think he said he wanted more playing time. I don't know if he necessarily... Well, that's what he wanted. Yeah, well, he asked he asked to be traded because he wants to get more playing time. But right away, man. Yeah, it's a tough one, man. I mean, uh, you know, when when Samari went to Montreal, you really just felt like it was a perfect fit. You know, he's you know French speaker. Frank Klopas and him have a history. 
you know, you thought he could step in and really help that defense, and and he had his he had his moments. Obviously, in the Champions League, he was he he was a big part of that run that they made. Uh, but obviously, things went in a different direction. Klopas started to go with with Cabrera in the middle with Simon and 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 stuck with that pairing, and and Sumari was kind of the odd man out. Uh, and it does. St- I mean, I gotta say, it feels a little bit like a hasty decision on his part to to want to you know to want to just bolt at that point. You know, I think it was a bit of a uh, a, a rushed decision on his part. Now he goes to Dallas, and is he de- is he necessarily going to play in Dallas? I mean, that's you know they got Matt Hedges, they got Walker Zimmerman. Um, you know, I think he's going to fight for minutes there, but you know, you're going to go play in the Heat in Dallas in the summer, and, and ugh, it's. Uh, I don't know, man. It's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting one. And then Kyle Becker, I mean, he's, uh, I mean, he's I don't he's not going to play right anytime soon for Montreal. But again, he's a young Canadian prospect, someone that they can bring along. Um, but it's just clear they just needed to move Samari. So uh, I don't know if it it mattered as much about the immediate impact for them, uh, the immediate uh, d- difference that Becker will make. I think they just wanted to move Samari because you know for the locker room and everything. Orlando City picked up Corey Ash. Uh, I think a good trade for them. They gave up uh, a little bit of uh, allocation money and a second-round selection in uh, the 2017 draft. Uh, look, I, I think this is a great pickup for Orlando City. I was Corey Ash. I mean, that's that's a very solid pickup. No, I think most people would agree. I mean, he's a left back who, you know, he's an above-average left back in MLS. And given everything that they've gone through uh, as far as trying to fill that position, uh, he can step in there and he can start for them. So I think that that's a huge one for them. Obviously, the the big news on their end. I mean, uh, it sounds like they've lost Harrison Heath, uh, the mid the young midfielder who had established himself as a starter uh, for Orlando City. So it's been a, they've been a bit snake bit there. Breck Shea just had surgery. Obviously, they lost Kevin Molino earlier in the season. Now Harrison Heath is out for a while, uh, and, and you know Amobi Akugo, he's going to get his chance now to step back into the lineup and reestablish himself as as a key contributor for them. And it's really testing the depth on that team. But it shows you, man, they, Orlando, for an expansion team, they did a damn good job building depth um, because they, they've they been hit with some serious injuries and they've just kept kind of kept on rolling and filling the gaps. And now this move helps them do that again. Well, we do have a full slate of MLS games this weekend and LA Galaxy, San Jose Earthquakes, obviously the marquee matchup. Not only is it the third meeting between these two teams in the past three weeks, which always provides great matchups. It's the, finally the debut of Steven Gerrard in Major League Soccer. I mean, he's going to go out there, Ivis, probably score five goals, have two assists in his debut, and, I, I mean, he's, he's going to have a killer game. Killer game. <laughs> That's a little... Well, his debut, he, he made his debut in the Open Cup. Yes, uh, well, MLS tech- debut. MLS debut. Uh, I mean, it's a good match. Obviously, you know, the California... Classico, good good match for him to step in, but you know I don't know if he's going to be that player. You know, <laughs> I know he's not. He's good. <laughs> he might get an assist or two, but you know if he can command, if he can control the middle, the middle of the park and help set up the other guys. I mean, I think that's what they're going to look for him. I mean, he can obviously still score goals, um, but I think he's he's going to slowly work himself in there. I don't think he, I don't know if he's going to necessarily knock it out of the park right away. Well, he's not going to have to. The Galaxy have so many other players that can do that for them. I mean, I think that he'll be with Juninho. Uh, you have Zardis when he comes back eventually. Uh, Rob, you know, Robbie Keane. It's just the Galaxy has just so many options for guys who could score. I mean, that is one this, dangerous attack. This is the new test on SBI. How many times, how many different times can we read off the entire Galaxy uh, roster? Mm, what does it say? They have an awesome think, roster. I think we're at like four. I think we've named all their. I'm surprised you didn't mention Dan Gargan that time. <laughs> Dude, that guy's quality. I don't get why, why you have to throw shade on that. I'm not on it. That was funny. I don't know why that came to my mind. I just can't tell you why. Nice. Yeah. Gonna it's gonna be a long. We're gonna get him on the show at some point. <laughs> it's just gonna make it perfect. <laughs> yeah. When, we actually do need to get a guest on this show, Ivis. We have been slacking. Yes, we have. Yes, I blame you for that one. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll work on that. Yeah. Right. On Saturday, Portland's taking on the Vancouver Whitecaps. And uh, look, no matter where these teams are in the standings, Ivis, it's always going to be a good game. And especially not this year with these two teams as high as they are in the Western Conference, dude, you're, you're going to have a good game on Saturday between Portland and Vancouver. Cascadia Derby. It's uh, these teams, man. They they have obviously have have plenty of history there. Uh, both teams coming off of losses, somewhat surprising losses, at least the way the the, the games played out. 
you could ask, hey, maybe they were looking ahead to this game and uh, they looked past their opponents the last round. Uh, we, we obviously have to talk about the fact that Vancouver, they're on this long road trip, right? They, they've been on the road for, for so long. And, uh, you know, it's definitely it, – it, it, from that standpoint, maybe it wasn't completely surprising that it kind of got to them and, and they stumbled against Colorado. But you know what? The, the things aren't getting any easier. Uh, they're going to face a Portland team that's not going to be happy after after the way they uh, they lost to, to Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you lose 3 nothing to Philly, I mean, no offense to Philly, but, you know, Caleb Porter can't be happy about that. So uh, I'm sure he's cracked the whip this week and, uh, the, you know, they're going to get out there and, and try to reestablish themselves and reestablish that defense. But, I mean, they've had some pretty bad losses uh, in just the last couple of weeks, the 5-0 to L.A., the 3-0. But I think they rebound. I think they they they've done well against Vancouver, and now that Vancouver's on a little bit of a two game slide here, uh, you know, I, I think I'm I think I'm gonna have to go with uh, Portland on this one. Even though, look, KC loses the Sporting KC. I mean, Vancouver loses the Sporting KC. That's nothing to, to sneeze at. Sporting KC, very good team, but two games in a row they've lost now, and I think it's going to be three. Well, the first game they lost to is the Rapids, but I mean, look at the Rapids; they're beating everyone right now. So, uh, I mean, that's not that's not a fluke loss. Right. Well, they. Were, I mean, that's the thing. Well, they Vancouver was on the road for so long, and when they return home, you figured, okay, they're back home, they're going to win, and then Sporting KC beats them one zero. So that had to be a bit of a letdown for them. Now they're back on the road, even though it's not a long road trip. They're only going to Portland. Um, I, I just like Portland, man. I, oh, and also it needs to be pointed out, hmm. Ken, Kendall Watson is uh, he's left the team. To, he's been called up by Costa Rica for the knockout rounds of the Gold Cup. So that's a huge loss for that defense. I mean, you know, he's the anchor. He is the the, the building block of that defense, and they're going to miss him a lot. And I think for that reason, I think Portland's going to roll. FC Dallas playing host to D.C. United, and Dallas Ivis, after going through a little bit of a uh, of a underperforming the last month, they've ripped off three victories in a row. They're starting to get, once again, impressive play from our Diaz. I mean, Castillo, the defense is looking solid for them. And look, DC United, as good as they are, they're entering this match with a few injuries. Uh, I mean, it just looks right for Dallas at home to take care of business against DC. They've been rolling, man. I mean, they pretty much, <laughs> their attack started rolling as soon as I said they need to go trade for some attacking players. They need to go sign at least uh, two Yeah, because I'm sure they were listening to this podcast before the game, and they're like, oh, that Ivis guy, I'm going to show him. Not right before the game, maybe <laughs> during the week. Uh, or halftime? <laughs> no. Oscar Pereja, he, he played it on the on the sound system. <laughs> no, but you know what? Their attack has been doing better. But as I said last show, their defense has really been the key to this kind of resurgence for them. So, uh, you know, I think uh, the D.C. United, they're they an interesting one because their attack is – isn't necessarily one that overwhelms teams. I mean, they grind out they grind out results here and there. Um, so I think they're going to struggle. I think FC Dallas's defense is going to is going to make things tough for DC. Uh, obviously, DC wasn't happy with their attack. They went and traded for Alvaro Sabrio, who isn't going to join them just yet. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go FC Dallas in this one. You know, having just been in the heat of <laughs> FC Dallas, uh, the heat in Texas, uh, it's not going to be an easy one for DC. And on Saturday, we'll see the first ever meeting between Orlando City and the New York Red Bulls for Orlando City. Last week, Ivis, we saw how just abysmal their attack was with no Kaká and no Kyle Lahren. We'll see Kaká this weekend. Kyle Lahren should be back with Orlando, and that should give them some hope going against the New York Red Bulls, who just throttled the New England Revolution last week. Uh, This is going to be a good one, man. I think this is going to be a really good matchup. Uh, As you said, Kaká's back. Laren should be back. Uh, Moby Okugo is going to slide back in the starting lineup, probably, for Harrison Heath, who's injured. Uh, This is a good one, man. The Red Bulls have started to heat up. Uh, This one is in Orlando, though. Um, Not an easy place to play. I'm going to go Orlando on this one. I think Orlando, I think their their attack is going to cause some problems. I think Kyle Laren, potential Kyle Laren, Matt Matt Miaska, battle of the U-20s, I think that could be a good one to watch out for. But... uh, yeah, I'm going to go Orlando in this one. Nothing nothing against the Red Bulls. They've been playing well, but I think Orlando at home, I think they're going to handle the business. New England at home taking on New York City FC. And I don't want to say it's an automatic win for, for New York because, look, the revolution with MLS works. You could get a victory at any time. But, I mean, look, New England, Ivis, without Jermaine Jones, it's just the longer he's away, that window for the revolution turning around and making the playoffs closes almost every single day. 
No, they're going to make the playoffs. I don't have any doubts on that. I think they're this is last year all over again, man. They're, they're struggling. They're in a losing streak. Jermaine Jones shows up, and everything turns around. It's going to happen. It's going to happen again. Is it going to happen to the degree it happened last year where they went all the way to the MLS Cup final and came within overtime of and, and you know one shot away from winning the whole thing? I don't, I, that is the question mark. But as far as them eventually riding the ship and getting into the playoffs, I don't doubt that at all. I think they have too much quality uh compared to the rest of the teams in the east they're gonna for me they are absolutely gonna be in the playoffs but as for right now they're struggling right now it's hard to pick them against anybody that said they're at home nycfc on the road not as good they'll be on the turf frank i i can't imagine frank Frank lampard's debut debut supposedly this weekend i can't imagine like honestly frank lampard on the turf in new england notorious turf in new england I don't know about I don't know if that's a smart decision if he is going to play in this game. But assuming he doesn't play in this game, I'm going to have to go New England. Uh, actually, you know what? I, I I'll go tie in this one. I think we're just like a one-one tie. Sporting Kansas City is taking on the Montreal Impact, and uh, look, Sporting Kansas City Ives is taking care of business. They did lose a few weeks ago to Real Salt Lake, but other than that loss, the last month, two months, Sporting Kansas City, you could argue, has maybe been the hottest team in the league. They've been on all cylinders. They've taken on Montreal, who they have their game here. They have a bad game there and an inconsistent side. I mean, Sporting Kansas City should take care of business against the Impact this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with uh, agree with you there. Sporting KC, they're, home, they're at home. Uh, they, they impressed me, man. They impressed me going to Vancouver and getting, in a, getting a result. You have to take them seriously. And it is a little weird when you look at the standings and you see them and they're, and they're only in, what is it, sixth place? But then when you look at points per game, they have the highest points per game total. So they have they have games in hand on everybody. They have a minimum of two games in hand on everybody ahead of, ahead of them in the standings. And they have three games in hand on all the teams ahead of them except FC Dallas, who they have two games in hand on. So, uh, And as I think I said last show, I, I, Sporting KC is not going to stand pat with the team they have. They're going to go out and get somebody. At least one player. Yeah, who are they? Who are they going to get? I don't know, man. Oh, I don't know who it, it is. Oh, you're such a liar. I, if I listen, if I knew, I would have. You would be reading about it on Gold.com. I am not aware at this moment who it is or who they're going to go get, but I am confident that they're going to go get somebody to boost the team that's already playing really well. So Montreal, yeah, on the road, I'm going to have to go KC in a comfortable one. Toronto FC taking on Philadelphia Union and uh, Philadelphia man points in their last three matches, but. Toronto, they get back Josie Altador, a uh, a healthy Josie Altador, and uh, look until anyone can't stop Sebastian Giovinco, um, I'm, I'm going to go Toronto in this one. <laughs> Giovinco, can anybody stop Giovinco? But that, see, there's two questions relating to Toronto. Can anyone? No, first question: Can anybody stop Giovinco? Second question: no. Can Toronto FC stop anybody? <laughs> no. And that's the problem. <laughs> as long as there's both those questions. Uh, it's an issue, right? But again, they're at home. Uh, I, I have, you know, I, I see it already. Josie Altidore is going to start. He's going to score two goals at least. <laughs> He's going to do. It's going to be something funny like that. He's going to score at least one goal, at least one goal. But uh, hey, Philly man, let's not write off Philly, right? I mean, look at the results for them. I mean, they they've uh, started to start to warm up a little bit. They they're undefeated in three. The two on one in their last three. They've won three of their last of their last six, which for them is. It's a pretty good clip, and and I feel like they've rounded themselves into a decent team. Uh, they what are they five? They're actually five three and one in their last nine after having a real rough stretch earlier in the season. So they they're not a pushover. They're not a pushover. But having said all that, Javinko, man, Javinko, how do you stop him? So I'm gonna go TFC. Seattle Sounders taking on the Rapids, and look, a few weeks ago, Ivis, when the Sounders are struggling, you're looking at that game against the Rapids, saying that's a guaranteed win. Oh, how things change. Rapids on a two-game winning streak. Seattle's still struggling. I mean, this this is not a guaranteed win that it, you know it looked like just two weeks ago. Mm, <laughs> guaranteed win. There's not. There's not. You know what? In MLS, man. Guaranteed wins. Is there is there such a thing? I don't know if there are. Well, maybe not a guaranteed win, but a game that Seattle should look at the schedule and say, we are winning that game no matter what. Well, who's who's back for them? I mean, is Martin's definitely back? Is is uh, is Alonzo healthy? Dempsey's not going to be there. 
Brad Evans isn't going to be there, nope. so they're, they're they're missing some guys. Colorado's added some players, so it's it'll be it'll be it'll be competitive. But yeah, I'll agree with. You. I'll go Seattle. And Real Salt Lake takes on the Houston Dynamo. Dynamo showing signs of life lately. Real Salt Lake going in the complete opposite direction. Yes, they did get the U.S. Open Cup win over the Galaxy. But, I mean, they haven't won a game in their last four matches. Um, I mean, Ivis, this this may not be the prettiest match of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, if you're a neutral, you're looking for some soccer to watch this weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't th- I don't think this is the game you're going to want to see. Um, but I think Salt Lake snaps their, their slide. I think they're I think they're due for a little turnaround. And by the way, I believe Jeff Kassar is suspended for this one. So we could see uh our buddy Daryl Shore, the assistant coach uh in charge of Real Salt Lake. So we might uh, the former Chicago Fire assistant, former Fort Lauderdale Strikers head coach, I think he could get a W. Uh and it was only was it a week ago when uh when Dennis Hamlet uh another former fire coach who who got a W as an assist, an interim coach. So We'll see the trend continue. I think Real Salt Lake rolls in this one. And in the final game of the weekend, you have a rematch from Wednesday. Columbus Crew, Chicago Fire. Columbus defeated um, the Chicago Fire. And that was a big result for them. And look, if, if you can pick up six points this week, both against the Fire, I mean, that, that's that's a pretty good week for Columbus. Can anybody stop Kai Kamara and Ethan Finley? No. Can, any, no, can anybody? I mean, it's unbelievable. They 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 just they're it's like they're playing by they're they're it's like a drill they're like doing uh, finishing drills and it's just the two of them nobody seems to be able to slow them down uh, can the crew's defense in midfield settle down and, and get some stability uh, that's the question mark for them and I think you know what I still like Columbus in this one I think they're gonna sweep them get the six points and I think we're gonna start to see now uh, Columbus start to you know head toward the top. Uh, of the Eastern Conference, which is, I think, I think where most people expected them to be. Uh, how long were we waiting for Will Trapp to come back from his concussion issues? And I've been saying for a while that once they get him back, you're going to see them be a different team. Now he's back. He's already making an impact. Uh, you know, he gets into that lineup, and he's just – it can't be said enough what, what he means to them. And that was his first start. And I don't know I – I happen to not think it was a coincidence that his first start since coming back, and they win the game. So I think, you know what? He's, it's gonna. I think this is it. They're going to start turning it around. Well, those are all the MLS games that will be played this weekend. Ivis, we have officially hit the MLS midway point, which that means, drum roll, it's time for the SBI Show Midseason Award Picks. Um, we will go over everything, and like the Oscars, we will save the best for last. So we apologize on that, but we will kick it off. With the most improved, Ivis, I will let you start with the honors. Who is your, at this point of the season, most improved player? Uh, there, there's several good candidates. I have to go with Ethan Finley. The guy cannot stop scoring and setting up goals. Now, this isn't to, generally the most improved is not an award MLS gives out, but it's an award that that SBI we've given out for for several years. Just because I think the whole comeback player award is really convoluted and it's just it's just so misguided sometimes mm-hmm. i think i think most i think most improved player is a legitimate award that they should give out uh to reward those players who go from uh who take significant steps in their career uh whether it's going from a bench player to a starter or to or from a you know a role playing starter to an impact all-star caliber player and ethan finley's done that i think he's really taken his game to another level and right now man you have to ask yourself how long before Jurgen Klinsmann gives him a call? Yeah, I, I, I could see Ethan Finley. For me, I, I thought he showed some improvement last year and showed the type of player he is. My pick is San Jose Earthquakes goalkeeper David Bingham, Ivis, who for the first time in his – this is his fifth year. For the first time ever, he's getting consistent playing time, and he's done a very good job for the Earthquakes this year. He's earned five clean sheets. He's looked great. I mean, it's a huge opportunity for him. He's never really played before this. For me, he is my most improved player. Right. Well, that's he. It's a tricky one because he's never played before. Exactly. So how do you know how much he improved if he he was just he was kind of serving his goalkeeper apprenticeship? It, it, it's a good pick. He's in the conversation. I think Kevin Ellis is someone who deserves a mention. The Sporting KC defender who who's really really stepped in and filled the void there after Ike Parra's injury. There's a lot of guys, but I think I think both our picks are pretty good. All right, well, the next award is goalkeeper of the year. My pick, and it definitely seems like a lot of people in the league are picking this one. I'm curious if you'll pick this one. Is Vancouver Whitecaps goalkeeper 
David Osted, who's been playing out of his mind. Look at the Whitecaps. I mean, they're competing for the top spot in the Western Conference. He's been at Barrick Wall. He's won already Goalkeeper of the Month awards. I mean, he definitely seems, Ivis, like the number one pick for goalkeeper, or at least at the midseason point. Well, okay. Now, he's done really well. And he's uh, certainly, for my money, there's two contenders. There's two guys who are head and shoulders above the rest. Now, what's a little interesting about this situation is, is David Osted has played – He's played 20 games already. So he's played more than half of his season. 17 games is half a season. At the 17-game mark, I thought he was a, definitely a strong contender. But for my money, the, goal, the goalkeeper who's played at the highest level uh, up to the point of the halfway point, the true halfway point of the season, Bill Hamid. Uh, Bill Hamid is just uh, is just at another level. I know Osted makes the highlights. He's, he's had some great games. He's had the PK saves against New York. He's made some big saves here and there. But Bill Hamid, just the way he plays the position, he makes the big saves, but he also keeps himself in really good position. Uh, you know, he's he's up there in save percentage. He's up there in goals goals against average. Uh, you know, he he makes the plays that need to be made. He co- he covers the penalty area, and you go beyond the basic statistics as well as uh, as far as service, as far as commanding your area. Uh, all the Opta stats you can look at for goalkeeper. Bill Hamid just is playing the game at a higher level than the other goalkeepers in the league. No offense to David Usted, but Bill Hamid is my pick. For Newcomer of the Year, Ivis, I will let you have the honors. Who I, I, look, I, I think we can at least agree on Newcomer of the Year. It's between three players. You could say it's Kaká, David, uh, David Villa, and Sebastian Jovinko. I mean, you could at least say it's between those three guys. So out of those three guys, Ivis, who is your Newcomer of the Year? So you're just going to make my decision for me? You just, wait, wait to say you're going to hand me the opportunity <laughs> and then just dictate everything. There's no one else to pick outside of these three well, guys. Well, why don't though. you let me say that? This is my opportunity to shine. Okay. Then I'm, so, I'm sorry, <laughs> Ivis. I'm sorry. I here I am, here I I am stealing it. your you thunder. Already, you already took it, so you go ahead and you pick first. Well, look, it's obvious. It's, it's you know, it's Jovinko. I mean, dude, the guy's been an absolute stud. He scores goals whenever he wants. I'm sure he could score more goals. If he wanted to, but he doesn't want to embarrass anyone that much. I think it's just him being a nice guy. But look, he's definitely a newcomer of the year. Yeah, he's holding back. I'm sure he is. Yeah, no, I'm sure but... he's like, I don't want to embarrass these guys too much. You know? <laughs> okay. Well, I agree with you, and I think most people agree. I, I think anyone in the league outside of fans of Orlando and maybe NYCFC would agree. But even they would have to agree, especially NYCFC fans after seeing Javinko firsthand just recently. He's the guy. He's the pick. Newcomer of the year. He is just outstanding and been everything TFC could have asked for. So yes, that's it's a no-brainer. All right. Defender of the year. I won't see your thunder this time, Ivis. Who is your pick? Omar Gonzalez. Omar Gonzalez has been an absolute rock in the back for them. Uh just dominant in every category imaginable. If you look at this the the league stats uh for defenders for opt stats, whether it's clearances, blocks, interceptions, tackles, uh you know, aerial interventions, the guy is is in a class by himself. There's only one for me. There's only one player even in the in the same boat as him. Kendall Waston is the only other guy who can even really come close to him in terms of across the board statistics, uh, and just the way he controls the game. But yes, Omar Gonzalez is my pick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, Omar Gonzalez has been good. It's just, it, I mean, compared to last year, I mean, last year we saw a lot of defenders really stand out and, and be guys, I and mean, we're really not seeing this year, right? I mean, Kendall Waston made a good pick. Um, you could possibly go with Elvis Powell with the Portland Timbers, but yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I will agree. I mean, Omar Gonzalez right now is the best defender in the league. Well, some some other guys who who deserve mention. Bobby Boswell uh, has has done well again. He 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 just plays at such a high level. Uh, and Lawrence Simon from Montreal, a guy who you know, for me, you know, he, he's not. He, maybe he doesn't get as much attention as he deserves playing up in Montreal, but he has come into the league and played at an ex, at an extremely high level. All right, Coach of the Year, Ivis. Um, you can go with a lot of different picks on this one. You're seeing a lot of teams play really well, especially over the last couple of weeks. Who is your midseason Coach of the Year? I'm going to have to go with Peter Vermees. Uh, there are a lot of good picks, but just for everything that Sporting Kansas City's had to go through uh, in terms of even before the season beginning, they lost, you know, they, they, they get Aurelian Collin moves on, and then at the beginning of the year, uh, the goalkeeper they brought in to be their starter, Luis Marine. Uh, leaves. They plug in a new goalkeeper. Eichel Power is out for the year. They replace him. Uh, all the adversity that they've gone through, they've continued to find a way to get results, plugging different players, and especially defensively, 
Uh, and just the job that he's done, for, I think, des- uh, deserves a lot of credit. So I'm going to go Peter Vermees. Well, remember, this is the midseason pick of award. So my guy, I don't think he'll win coach of the year, but I'm going to pick Ben Olsen for midseason coach of the year. I think he's done an impressive job with DC United. You look at where they are in the Eastern Conference, just how many points they are ahead of even second place Columbus crew. Eight points clearing of them. Where, where, where were they at last year? I'm sorry? Where were they last year? At this point in the season, I can't remember off the top of my head where DC was, but well, DC had a good fin- standing fin- last year, finished, too. They finished first last year. It says, hey, you still be coach of the year. I mean, look at the impressive job that Ben Olsen has done this year. He's done he's an impressive the, job the, for them. Uh, here's my thing. He he's doesn't have Eastern, a guy. Look, he doesn't have any players Eastern like Conference. Graham Zuzzi. He doesn't have any Benny Phil Harbors. He doesn't have, have Dom Con- Dwyer. Fabian Espindola, Chris Rolfe. These guys are no good. Chris Rolfe's not a good player. I, I, I would, Chris Rolfe's having a better year than Graham Zuzzi had. I, I, look, I know they're good players, but I'm talking about I mean, those guys have been consistently doing it. Where does DC. Where does East United play? They play in the Eastern Conference. Where does Sporting KC play now? In the Western Conference. This is a midseason award, though. Right, well, right now, midseason, who has the highest points per game total in the league right now? Highest points per game? I don't know. I have to look that up. Sporting Kansas City. Okay. So I'm just letting you know. They're playing at the highest level, and they've had to under, o- o- overcome a ton of adversity, and they're playing in a significantly tougher conference. It's, no, it's not even a question. There you go. Boom. <laughs> I'm going with you're insane. I'm going with DC. DC, look, DC doesn't have look. Sporting Kansas City has the guys that Bender done that. DC's a team I was made up of a collective of of individuals who are playing great team soccer. That's what they did last year. Sporting Kansas City is individual. No, for me, Ben Ben Olsen. It doesn't doesn't matter. Bruce Arena's won Coach of the Year before multiple times. When did he win? How many times has he won Coach of the Year? I can't remember the time I had. But oh, okay, just making stuff up. Carl Robinson deserves it more than Ben Olsen. Carl Robinson has helped turn them into a a powerhouse. I just think I look. I'm. I know. And I, and I know. I know. It always seems like I'm. I'm crapping on DC. You're always crapping on DC. Ben why? Is why a good can, coach. There's no question. But they, this is what they, they. They're a good team. How are you going to sit there and say they're not a good team? They had the best record in the East last year. So what is so special about them doing it again this year? It's like it. This is who they are. Like that's not like. I'm. I, I'm sorry. I just think other coaches have just. Man, done, you are crapping like, on. You are crapping on I, DC. Look it's, at you. No, it's not. It's giving props to other coaches. That's that's what it's. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm doing. All right. So there, we'll agree to disagree. I, look, I'm. 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 I'm the whole way. <laughs> um, rookie of the year. Um, I'm going to steal your thunder on this one because you're crapping on DC and being total mean. Kyle Lern <laughs> is the rookie of the year. I mean, right now, what else is there to say? He's the rookie of the year. Yeah, you know, he's done well. He scored goals. And again, people will always look at the goals and say, okay, that's what matters. But I'll tell you what. Fatia Lashi's done himself pretty has done pretty well starting in midfield. Playing in midfield is a much tougher assignment than playing up top. Kyle Aaron's done great. He's gonna he, if the season ends today, he's rookie of the year, no doubt about it. But I think I think Fatia Lashi deserves a lot of credit for being able to step in into into the pros. Slide right into a starting lineup as a central midfielder and play pretty well. So I agree with the Kyle Aaron pick, but I'm just saying Fatai Lashi is a lot closer than I think people give him credit for being. All right. MVP, Ivis. Who is your MVP? Well, hmm. It depends, right? Here's the question. Is it, and this is always the argument and the discussion when, it talks, when you talk about MVP awards. Is it best player or is it most valuable player? How do you equate valuable? So there's always that kind of stuff, right? So for my money, valuable, most valuable player, I'm going to go Benny Fellhaber. Benny Fellhaber has been the best player on who, for my money, in the first half of the season has been the best team in the league. And from that standpoint, that's why he's my pick. Now, if you ask me who's the best player in the league first half of the season, I would go Javinko. But most valuable for what he's done for a team that's been the best team in the league in the first half, I'm going to go Benny Phil Albert. That's a good pick. A, Who you got? Who you got? Uh, Jovinko. He's, look, he, he's, not for, he's not playing with Toronto right now. Toronto's not where they are in the standings right now. I mean, not only has he been the best player, he's extremely valuable for Toronto FC. I mean, he's pretty much doing it himself. Seriously, where was he's sporting not there. K- where was Sporting KC be without Benny Phil Albert? Mm. He's the straw that stirs to drink in that midfield. It, it, so but, 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 okay, but, see, but this is another argument that will and that, that could go in circles. And we, we, we can both <laughs> agree that both players. Let's just say, for example, if they were not no, on the teams this year, both, both teams would be ext- struggling very bad right now. Both these they're players both, are not. They're, on. they're both good picks. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sitting here. I'm not going to argue against Javinko like I would argue against Ben Olsen for coach. Uh, I agree. I think Javinko is a great pick for for MVP. I just happen to think. 
for what the team has been able to do and what he's been able to lead the team to so far, I think Benny Felhaber deserves a bit. Yeah. Because mm. Felhaber does it all. That's the thing that, that I, I think gets often overlooked. Like, so, does, so, so does Jovinko. He has no, 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 11, no, no, no. Goal, 11 no, goals yeah, and 8 no. assists. He, oh, and so goals and assists are all no, that. No, it's not everything, in, but dude, he, he contributes playing, on numerous scoring chances. Yeah, yeah, but that's one part of the game. Like, there's a lot of aspects of the game. Benny Philhaber contributes. We talking about just it's, it's all about it's goals, first up. It's all about goals. goals. Come on, it's not all right. Well, it's they, all no, about goals, year. man. That's it. You know what? Hey, some people see beyond just highlights. <laughs> there you go. Come on, man. Benny. Goals get ratings, Ivis. We need high-scoring games. Poor it's defending. Not, Come not, on, man. Listen, it's not MEP. It's not most entertaining. <laughs> it's MVP. Valuable. And I'm gonna go Benny Philhaber. Okay, just just let's expand the list real quickly. I mean, you could definitely throw Kai Kamara in the discussion. I'm not, I'm not saying he is going to be, but you know, if you had to list maybe five, ten guys, you could put him in that list too. I, you know what? I feel, yeah, I agree. He's in the, he's on the short list. But I mean, you know, when you watch them play, I mean, Ethan Finley is just as valuable. Exactly, before, and he could, you could so. throw him in that conversation too. Yeah, so it's a tough one. There's a lot. David Villa. I mean, where would NYCFC yeah. be without K- him? Kakatu. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, look, look I mean, look at, I mean, look at Seattle. You could throw Clint Dempsey and Martins on there. He's played I mean, enough games. He's played twelve games. Twelve games, not enough games. Guys, only played. You're right. He's only played twelve games. Jeez. They, they were both those guys were on on a on a pace to be considered for MVP, but then obviously they got sidetracked. They got sidelined. They, yeah. they haven't been able to to maintain, you know, in terms of just games that they've played. So, I mean, but you know what? At, by the end of the year, who knows? I mean, the, the MVP well, list. A lot will change. Yeah, it could definitely change a lot. Javinko, if Javinko keeps rolling the way he's rolling, and if Toronto like finds consistency and starts to climb the East, like you know a lot of people expect, then absolutely he will win MVP. I don't have any doubts about that. But just for me, for right now, I think right this, right now midway point, I think I think uh, Phil Hubbard deserves credit. Well, there it is. I have all the awards to give out. Um, maybe do like best moment. I thought best moment was when the earthquakes mascot tackled that fan last week. What was your best moment of the? Uh, of best the, of the, moment. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be serious. It'd be funny. <laughs> um, man, I had to think about that one, man. That one came out of nowhere. See, yeah, I got, I got, I got to keep you. you know in, what? I got to the, keep you on your N- toes, man. I think the NYCFC Red Bulls derby, uh, the first meeting at. Um, Actually, you know, either one of them, either one of them, pretty damn special. Uh, Red Bull Arena for the first one was was pretty outstanding, and then Yankee State going to a packed, a packed Yankee State. You know what? I'm gonna go with that one. Going to a packed Yankee Stadium for an MLS match and having it be completely full and having the upper deck in red from the visiting Red Bulls fans and just the atmosphere, having Pirlo and Lampard on the big on the jumbotron in the house. I think that 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 whole thing. I mean, I'm sure I'm forgetting something. I'm sure I'm forgetting some out some moment. But for me, my of what from what I've experienced this year, that day that was a pretty special day. I'm trying to think of some other funny things. I know it's I always complain about how it's too late. It is too late. I can't think of anything right now. I'm sure we'll hit me as soon as we stop recording. Actually, you know what? If you're listening to the show and you have any funny ideas, throw it throw it in the comments below. And why does it have to be funny? Why can't you just say what? You know, and, okay, and uh, okay. Not, well, you know, funny's good. It's good. That's fine, but that don't make it just that. Just ask generally speaking, what have you found? What what what, what is to you the best moment of the first half of the MLS season? Fine, fine. So the, it can be funny, and it can be just be soccer. It could just be a great play, a great goal, you know, great moment, a great comeback victory. It could be, a, you know, some of that that stuff too. You know what I mean? It, just uh, yeah. Well, actually, I was saying, does it have to be MLS? No, the purpose is we're talking MLS. Um, but yes, yeah, so you can put that in the comments below on the web, on if you're listening to this on iTunes, go to sbssoccer.com. Put it in the comments, Ivis. Before I let you go for the weekend, anything else that we uh, we need to discuss? Uh, no, that's it, man. And uh, heading down to Baltimore on Friday morning, we're, we'll, we'll be uh, over at MNT Bank Stadium, uh, checking out the doubleheader and 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 the great the great great development as far as the Saturday's quarterfinal. USA Cuba is going to be shown on Fox on Big Fox. Uh, it's not going to be Fox Sports One. It's going to be on actual on Fox on the network. So that uh, I'll be interested to see what the ratings are for that. I mean, obviously Cuba. You know, pe- people are going to hopefully tune in to see a blowout. 
Um, but I mean, that's going to be a fun one. I think this is going to be a great weekend. Just the Concacaf Gold Cup. The not, you know, there was some pretty, there were some stinkers in the group stage, no doubt, no question. The Heat, the just, it was just not a great knockout round, except for certain moments. Obviously, the Trinidad Mexico game was great. There were some great moments, but I, I have a feeling these quarterfinals are are going to be outstanding. I think the U.S. game will be a blowout, but I think the other three mm-hmm. are going to be absolute battles. They're going to be back and forth. Anybody's game, I'm telling you, you're going to want to watch these games. Well, if you'd like to know, Ivis, the SBI West Coast crew will be going to L.A. this weekend. So if you're in L.A. and you want to buy me Cosmopolitan, hit me up. I will gladly take any Cosmopolitans in L.A. <laughs> what are you doing, man? <laughs> begging for drinks. That's a little bit. No. We quick turn around, though. Driving out there, driving back. Very, very, very quick, though. Yeah. If you, and if you're in Baltimore, say hello. I will be at, uh, I will try to make it to the night before the, the, the American Outlaws night before party. And credit to the folks in Kansas City. Great job they did. Once again, the I, I, I got to tell you, man, Kansas, the, the Americans Outlaw, the, the Kansas City chapter of American Outlaws, uh, they throw. For my money, they throw they have the best uh, night before parties, and uh, no offense to anybody, Columbus for USA Mexico night before parties. Now that's a whole nother level. Like that, I think that's still like a maybe the top level. But Wasn't that, City, like, man, I heard that was like a house party, right? It was like Project X, pretty much. But, it was. <laughs> but but again, that's not every Columbus match. That's specifically USA. Yeah, Mexico. yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Kansas City, man, uh, Kansas City, I can't say enough about Kansas City. It is crazy that the weather it can be super freezing in the winter and it boiling hot in the summer. But it's just a great city, great soccer fans, great atmosphere, great nightlife, great stadium, amazing food. It has it all. I can't go there enough times. I'll be there again in October. But hats off to all the folks uh, in Kansas City for once again showing American soccer a great time. Well, so Kansas City is your new Portland. Interesting. Yeah, I just uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I I don't have a favorite city, but those, I'd say if there's a collection of cities that I like a lot the most, I don't even say the most, but I mean the big soccer cities. I mean you know, Portland, KC, Seattle, they're all great cities to visit, but they're also great because they they're great soccer cities. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, one day I'll live in a good soccer city, Ivis. One day it'll happen. <laughs> well, just crap on Phoenix. That's terrible. Phoenix soccer sucks. It's, it's a sad thing, my man. It's a sad. And then thing. you wonder why nobody, nobody from Phoenix listens to the show. There you go. Now you know why. I know. I can't even. No love. <sighs> it's so sad. All right, Ivis. With that, I'll let you go. You enjoy your weekend, and I'll chit chat with you again on Sunday. We will have a Monday morning show. Hopefully. Yeah. We will stop it. I don't know, man. It's gonna be a long day. It's gonna be. Uh... Actually, where am I gonna be? Oh yeah, you, you know what? Know. <laughs> I'll be at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll be home soon. You're right. You're right. There you go. Works out. All right, Evis. You have a good weekend. I'll chit chat with you later. All right. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening, the reviews, the comments, everything you do to support the show. That is Ivis Blarsep. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBI Show.